mouth shut, hold your tongue, don't say something will make you regret. Girl, you better keep your door shut, keep your door shut, the devil's out prowling, I bet. Girl, you better keep your mind shut, this book has Legs shut right. No, don't make me get into it. Girl, you keep Welcome to Girl Explaining, the podcast where two girls who are smarter than you offer our expert opinions on a different topic each week. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Kylie. And you're welcome. This is Girl Explaining, episode one romantic comedies. Rom coms. Let's begin with a definition of romantic comedies. This is from the Wikipedia. Very important. So romantic comedy films, also known as the portmanteau's romedy, I have never heard that's not a thing. That's not real. Or rom-com, are films with lighthearted, humorous plotlines centered on romantic ideals, such as that true love is able to surmount most obstacles. Thanks, Wikipedia. You're the tops. So... What are your general feelings on rom-coms? I am very into rom-coms in a way that should be embarrassing, but it's not. Yeah, I feel the same way. I have always loved rom-coms. Many of my go-to comfort films are rom-coms, but I, I like to think that I am picky about them. Like, I, I like to think I have a high standard for romantic comedies. I like to think that, but I also know that it's not true. Well, I guess that makes one of us. Okay. <laughs> um, do you have any rom com stories from your week that have happened? It is, I should say, Galentine's Day, which is adorable because we're here talking about rom-coms like a couple of gals on Galentine's Day. It's very romantic. It is. So... I have the opposite of a romantic comedy story, which is that before I came over here, I went to Target to buy a USB drive, and while I was there, I bought a Valentine's card and box of chocolates for my significant other, Justin, and I also texted him, I bought you a card and chocolate, so it's not (laughs) weird. Why would it be weird? Actually, I'm not sure exactly how I phrased it. Basically, I was like, I want you to know now... So it's not weird tomorrow when I give you a card and chocolate and you give me nothing? That makes sense. Yeah. That's kind. Yeah. It's thoughtful on two counts. The count of getting him card and chocolate and the count of letting him know that you know he's not getting you anything. It's important to know your partner. (laughs) That's true. Some romantic advice for all you singletons out there. I witnessed something very rom-com-y. I was at... A march to support Planned Parenthood on Saturday. Woo. And in St. Louis, I don't know where it, what it's like where you guys live, but in St. Louis, a lot of people own dogs. And they like to walk their dogs. And indeed, they like to march their dogs if the opportunity arises. And I was walking near a man walking or marching his dog. It was a cute dog. It was a big German Shepherd-type mutt. And a woman trotted up to him kind of quickly and said, hey, where'd you get your dog? Which seemed 
weird. And I did not know what would happen next. And I was very nervous. And the man said, oh, I got him from a rescue, blah, 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 rescue, and blah, blah, blah. And she said, oh, my God, I think this dog is my dog's brother. No. Yes. And he said, no way. That is the cutest meat. It is the cutest meat. I, they did confirm that their dogs were brothers and talked about having a dog play date with them. And I hope they get married. They're definitely going to get married. They have to get married. It's like a dog parent trap. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's meant to be. What dog doesn't want their parents to get together? Yeah, that's pretty adorable. It's what all dogs want. Okay. Do we want to move into top threes? Sure. Top threes. In preparation for recording this podcast today, Elizabeth and I watched each other's top three romantic comedies. So, Elizabeth, what is number one on your list of top three romantic comedies? Number one, with a bullet, as it were, When Harry Met Sally. I feel like you can't have a conversation about rom-coms without talking about When Harry Met Sally. It, to me, is the best example of what a rom-com can be and should be. Yeah, I had never seen it previously, which is a little nuts, um, but I had not. And even being, like, really familiar with some of the more famous lines of the movie, it was still very, very enjoyable. I really, really liked it a lot. I will say Harry is a sexist butthole. When? (laughs) A lot. Like, a lot. Oh, no. Um, no, but I... It's, like, endearing. Not the sexism specifically, but he has endearing qualities, so it's fine. And I think it's maybe just, like, a product of this movie was made not now. It was. Yeah, it was made in, like, 90, maybe? Uh, Don't quote me on that. That feels like a thing we should have looked up before now. (laughs) Oh, wow. But we didn't. Okay. Um, So, yeah, so I... One thing that I thought was really interesting um, that Justin and I, Justin and I, my partner, watched both of these two movies that I hadn't seen before together. One thing that Justin and I noted was um, Harry referring to women as either high maintenance or oh, low yeah. maintenance. Ah, uh, yeah, such a classic part. Yeah, was he the first person to coin that phrase? I mean, oh, obviously not Harry, but was right, Nora right. Ephron the person who coined the phrase? I doubt it, but I, I hope so. Like, that would be lovely, but... I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I it like might have come into the vernacular at yes, that point. Yes. So that's what I was curious about. Was this, like, did this phrase not exist before this movie? Because I would have never known that. Well, it certainly had an impact on the American psyche, if so. <laughs> I will say um, that I did ship Carrie Fisher slash magazine guy just yeah so hard. I know. I have used that, uh, how she says, restaurants are to people in the 80s, what theater was to people in the 60s. I, like, try to say that all the time, and no one ever knows what the fuck I'm talking (laughs) about. Um, And also, Kylie and I met a few months ago, listeners, at improv class, and now we're improv BFFs, and now we're podcast BFFs, and it's so beautiful, and... um, if you go to improv class, you stop playing this would be a good band name and start being this would be a good improv group name. And I feel very strongly that a good improv group name would be Baby Fish Mouth. Yes. Just if you haven't seen When Harry Met Sally, I feel like you should correct that. It's charming. It's uh, iconic. And 
and Rob Reiner directed it, and he did a stellar job. Meg Ryan at her Meg Ryanist. The Meg Ryanist. Sometimes she has a perm, and sometimes it's she does. Very intense. Um, also, Carrie Fisher is in it. R.I.P. We love you, Carrie Fisher, and she's beautiful and amazing, of course. Okay. Um, so what's your number one, Kylie? Moving right along. My number one is Princess Bride. Yes. Elizabeth, I know Princess Bride has a very special place in your life as well. It's true. My firstborn child is named Wesley with a T after Wesley from The Princess Bride. So the thing about Princess Bride is it's not really like a traditional rom-com-y rom-com where like two people don't want to be in love but then they end up falling in love and then there's like one thing that happens and then they're in a fight and then the other person has to chase the other person down at an airport Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they like fall in love right at the beginning really the rom-com part happens um sort of towards the beginning or maybe in the middle of the movie um where she butter so princess buttercup does not know that wesley is wesley and she thinks that he is the guy who killed wesley the drug pirate roberts sure so she pushes him down a hill and then it's like oh you're actually the person i'm in love with hooray it's so heartwarming i love it so much but it's definitely a romance and it's definitely a comedy so i feel like it still counts yeah and it even um has the hopeful uh, idea that love can conquer all like the only mostly dead segment of the film it's really lovely have you read the book I have not read the book. Okay. So the book by William Goldman is not as good as the movie. I am not surprised by that at all. And Buttercup is real dumb in the book, and it troubles me. Oh, no, because she's such a smart badass in the movie. Okay, well, now I'm not even going to bother. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, William Goldman. I think it's interesting that both of our favorite romantic comedies star Billy Crystal. (gasps) Oh, my God. That's so beautiful. Billy Crystal, come on the show. We love you. Okay, what is... Do you have, like, a favorite quote from Princess Bride? Oh, my gosh. There's... I mean, there's just so many good things that... Probably life is pain, princess. Okay, sure. My... There's, like, two different things, because, of course, my favorite line is, my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. Beautiful. Obviously. But the one that I use most in life is another Inigo Montoya line, and it is, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. (laughs) It totally comes up in many situations. Because we're smarter than everyone. It's It's true. Why don't they know it? A a really beautiful quote from this movie that I had actually forgotten about until preparing for our podcast today um, was at the end when tiny Fred Savage is like, Grandpa, you can come over and read it again to me tomorrow. Aw, I love that. Yeah, and then Grandpa says, as you wish. It's just like, true love doesn't have to be between two romantic partners. It can be between grandpa and grandson. And I just think that's really beautiful and lovely. I do too. I love that as a theme. I love movies that explore themes of other kinds of love than just, you know, the the typical boyfriend-girlfriend love. True. That's really sweet. Yeah. Princess Pride transcends all genre and is just generally a perfect film. And also, it was directed by Rob Reiner. Shout out to Rob (laughs) Reiner. Come on the show. Okay, Elizabeth, what was your number two? Number two 
is Clueless, and that is a movie I have loved for a long time. I had the VHS copy when I was but a young child of eight, probably-ish. Does that sound right? Maybe nine. But I watched it so much, and I just knew it by heart, and I could recite it along with the, the film, and uh, thought that Paul Rudd was just the, the dreamiest. And when he started getting famous for real and became a movie star, I was like, I already knew about Josh, guys. Oh, so you did the hipster, like, I knew about it before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, thing. I liked him before he was Ant-Man, guys. I will say Paul Rudd, um, apart from being a hometown hero, as I am from Kansas City. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Well, he back. yeah. So he also is the only celebrity I have ever had a sex dream about. Oh, I did not know what you were gonna say dream, and I got so excited for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a dream. Okay. Um. Yeah. It was a good dream though. Nice. Oh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. The first time I saw that movie, it was a huge plot twist for me that Christian was gay. I was like, what? It was also a huge plot twist for me that Christian was gay, which is an excellent foreshadowing for the fact that I would date two gay men. Oh my gosh. So. Uh, Another good quotable film also, and I love the depiction of Elton trying to force Cher into a a non-consensual situation of some kind, and that she's just like, nope. Get off me, Elton. You're gross. I'd rather walk home from the valley. There are so many excellent feminist undertones, overtones. There's a lot of feminism in this movie, and I love it. And while Cher is portrayed as, like, this typical dumb blonde, I think similar to Legally Blonde, she's a secret smart person. For sure. One of my favorite quotes, and that I actually saw on an excellent protest sign at a pro-immigrant rally was, may I please remind you, it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. Yes. And Gumpel. I also love that Cher has standards. Like, she's like, I'm not going to date some dumb high school boy who doesn't know how to dress. She knows what she wants, and she is not willing to settle just because there is a limited supply of quality men surrounding her. Yeah, I just had this revelation that I 100% refused to date high school boys starting my junior year of high school, and I'm thinking that I might have modeled my life on Clueless more than I realized. It's working out for you. And I do want to be 5'10 like Cindy Crawford. Sure. So I got to lay off the coffee. All right, number two from Kylie. My number two is Sleeping With Other People, which is a pretty recent film. I think it is probably the most recent film on our top three lists. Spoilers for Sleeping With Other People, probably. Sure. And it's great, so you should see it. Um, so yeah, Elizabeth, what did you think? I loved a lot of things about it. My favorite thing was Jason Manzukas, uh, who's like a national treasure. He plays the best friend to Jason Sudeikis another Kansas City native. True. And he's just an absolute, he and the woman who plays his wife are an absolute delight. And I think that my favorite thing also about sleeping with other people is that, like I said earlier about films that explore other types of love, I do feel like it has a non-traditional view of what makes a relationship. And I think that that's super interesting and 
it's so well acted. Like, the performances are all very, very good. And it was very fun to watch. An important thing to say, probably, is what this movie is about at all. Because probably a lot of people aren't familiar. Um, So Sleeping With Other People is a movie about Lainey and Jake are the two main characters. Lainey portrayed by... Oh, shit. What's her name? Alison Brie. Lainey portrayed by Alison Brie and Jake is Jason Sudeikis. They lose their virginities to each other in college and then they meet like 12 years later in life um, at a sex addicts meeting. And they decide they are not going to have sex with each other and hilarity ensues. Because they definitely want to have sex with each other. They do. One thing that I thought was interesting about sleeping with other people is that because it is so focused on sex, it seems like it's maybe an untraditional rom-com, but it's actually very traditional. Um, It follows the very traditional arc of like, no, we're not going to be together. That's just not supposed to happen. And then, oh, actually, let's be together. But oh, no, this one thing happened and now we can't be together. But actually, at the end, we're going to have a wedding. Mm-hmm. And again, we did say spoilers, so you can't be mad. Also, it has Riley from Buffy in it. He plays... Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, Riley from Buffy, well, we're going to have to talk about that on another episode, because I have just so many thoughts. Suffice it to say that Justin refers to him as Booger Man. Wow. We're very an anti-Riley household. I mean, is there a pro-Riley household? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Sorry if you're a pro-Riley household. One final thought on sleeping with other people. Adam Scott is so great Mm. at playing either the most likable person in the world or the least likable person in the world. He has a mustache that makes him very hateable in the film Sleeping with Other People. His mustache is, like, the villain of the film, I believe. Yeah. I think that's how it, like, works out. I think that's true. Mm. Jason Zudikas is so charming. But it does have, yeah, there are, oh, you know what? I did want to bring up about sleeping with other people. I watched it with my husband, and there's a scene where you discover that Alison Brie's character doesn't masturbate, which is insane. And I feel like it's not believable because she's like 30, and her best friend is Natasha Leone. And I feel like Natasha Leone wouldn't let that happen. Also, I feel like a person who is going to a sex addicts meeting is not a person who has never masturbated. It seems crazy. And she, like, went to med school, or, like, was going to go to med school at the time. Anyway, it seems crazy to me. But then Jason Sudeikis takes a juice jar and shows her how to masturbate. And my husband is like, did he just mansplain to her how to have an orgasm? He sure did. (laughs) But that being said, to watch it, it's super good. <laughs> okay, Elizabeth, you're number three. All right. So, my number three is a little more unconventional. It's the 90s movie Reality Bites, starring Winona Ryder, Ethan Hawke, and Ben Stiller in a love triangle. So, Elizabeth, when is the last time you saw this film? Like, two years ago or less. <laughs> okay. Did you feel the same about it the last time you saw it as the first time you saw it? Uh, probably, but I don't ship, like, I'm, I'm a total weirdo, and I'm like, Ben Stiller, go with Ben Stiller. Okay, you are not a total weirdo. Well, because... For the fan base of the film, I am a weirdo. (laughs) So I will just say, um, when I googled Reality Bites... I found an article that best 
sums up my feelings on the film. It is a Jezebel article by Lindy West, who I love, and it is titled, I rewatched Reality Bites, and it's basically a manual for shitheads. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to share with you some of my favorite quotes from this Lindy West article. These are both about Troy, my least favorite character in the film. And you're not going to trick me into wanting to be Lilena by dangling that Ethan Hawke-shaped carrot in front of my face because Troy is a petroleum jelly-dipped turd. And I make plenty <laughs> of those with my butt, minus the petroleum. <laughs> There's another quote where she's talking about um, Troy needing to figure out how to make a job of something. Mm-hmm. And she says, just a reminder, condescending guy covered in oil is not a job. Why is he so oily? It is truly a mystery. Uh, he is an untapped natural resource. And I cannot explain his oiliness. I did like it when he answered the phone, hello, you've reached the winter of our discontent. Yeah, there's like a couple of lines. Um, but what Lindy really focuses on throughout the article is that he seems to just like take pieces of consumer culture and try to to try to be cool, he like flips them on their head. Like when he's like, "Buy the world, a, I want to buy them a coke," or whatever he says about mm-hmm. buying the world a coke. It's very Gen X, though. It's like the Gen X like dude, and uh, I'm kind of you know into Gen X. Dudes. Yeah, <laughs> I think I just he just doesn't seem like a very nice person, no, and he's not. No yeah, nice, no he's nice not nice person. to Winona Ryder at he's all. Not nice. He's mean. And Ben Stiller is very Petty. nice. So nice. But then there's a then there's the like, is it a parable about how girls never have sex with nice guys and they only want mean guys? I hope not, because that's such bullshit. It is and such not bullshit. true at all. <laughs> Even when you buy them plane tickets, God. Okay, so my favorite quote from not Lindy West, but Justin on the film. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but Troy sucks on Winona Ryder's chin a couple of times during their makeout scenes. I don't like it. It's very (laughs) upsetting. Prompting Justin to say, the chin is the clit of the face. (laughs) Not untrue, baby. It was very upsetting. (laughs) Did you love Janine Garofalo and Steve Zahn? They were fine. I thought they were perfect angels. I thought they were definitely the best people in the movie. Um, and another thing that I agree with Justin on about his um, observations of this film is that it would have been a better movie if it had focused on those two instead of whatever love triangle was happening. I love Lainey. And I also love, again, another intersection of our top threes. It's weird that we both had films with the protagonist named Lainey and, I don't know, like Billy Crystal, Rob Reiner... People named Lainey. People from Kansas City. Maybe it's just one of those rom-com names. Like, there's, like, rom-com names. There's rom-com jobs. jobs. Architect. Magazine writer. Owner of a small boutique bakery. Nice. Um, Yeah, anything to do with journalism. Yeah. Yeah. Aw. Well, I'm sorry that Ethan Hawke's greasiness scarred you for life. He's just so oily. (laughs) It seems impossible. (laughs) Okay, so my third favorite um, was Much Ado About Nothing, Mm, as directed by Joss Whedon. Which I watched last night. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. Amy Acker is just so good. 
I mean, just so good. And I just, that play is great. You know, I always forget how shitty it is when they're mad at Hero for being a whore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really not wonderful. Um, I mean, to be fair, it was written in, like, the 1500s. Absolutely. So we have to do a little bit of forgiveness. Yeah. And it actually is probably pretty progressive how smart and capable and everything else that Beatrice is. Yeah, Beatrice is the bomb. She is the bomb.com. Alexis Denisoff, I thought was so great as far as, like, physical comedy. So funny. Yeah, it was, like, a different take on Benedict. There's a few lines where Benedict talks about aging, and I feel like they leaned into that a little bit, and he was, like, this playboy or cad that was sort of aging out of his role and starting to feel lonely and starting to feel like he wanted to settle down, and I definitely have never seen that played up, and I thought it was really charming and, like, made me like him more, because... Um, the Kenneth Branagh version from the 90s is great, but Kenneth Branagh is not li- likable hmm. too much. I mean, he's charming. Because he's Kenneth Branagh. Because he's Kenneth Branagh. And he's Benedict, and it's like, he's very charming. And he and Emma Thompson were married at the time, and they had amazing chemistry. They're the best Beatrice and Benedict, like, as a couple. And, I mean, ever. I don't see how it could ever be matched. But I wouldn't want to marry him. But Alexis Stensoff could get it. I also really enjoyed Nathan Fillion and Tom Lank as a team. Oh, yes. It was oh, yes. so cute. So good. There's so much great physical comedy. I think that's what I really like about the Joss Whedon version is, you know, every time Much Ado About Nothing happens, it's going to have the same words because it's a play. But the direction, the physical comedy in Joss Whedon's version of Much Ado About Nothing is truly, truly phenomenal. Agent Coulson was tearing up on the physical comedy front. I can't remember that actor's name. Clark Gregg. Clark Gregg is his name. Very funny man. He is fantastic, especially as Agent Coulson. Another Joss Whedon film. Yes. Guys, we like Joss Whedon. It's true. Spoiler alert, we love Joss Whedon. It's gonna come up again. (laughs) Uh, is Is that all the top threes? That is all the top three. Top three it out. Okay. Congrats to those movies. You won being discussed by us. I feel like you had a cute personal story that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, so my cute personal story about romantic comedies is that my parents' first date was one of my honorable mention romantic comedies. Okay, so my parents' first date was Pretty Woman, and it wasn't just the two of them, it was like a group date. They were sitting next to each other, and my mom was popping her knuckles during the movie, and my dad turned to her and said, are you going to do that, like, the whole movie? (laughs) And she just glared at him, was like, I am, I hate this man, I am never going to see him again. Guys, that's such a rom-com thing at a rom-com and now they've been married for like 26 years that's adorable so just wait for your life to be like a rom-com just when you know that your life is looking like a rom-com get married is the moral of that story sure of course that's definitely what you should do (laughs) yeah so and in your young romantic life were you particularly affected by romantic comedies or by the yeah. The ideas that romantic comedies presented about love. I was a hopelessly romantic teen. I 
definitely just like latched on to the first boy that came my way and was like, I love you, let's get married, etc. Like I was so all in. But that might have been also from Friends, you know, which is another romantic comedy, like the Ross and Rachel. I was just like all about, I was like, oh, we have chemistry. I guess, I guess that means we're deeply in love and should be together forever, forever and ever. It didn't work out though. <laughs> My Weird. My boyfriend from when I was 14 and I did not stay together. So, and my my dad, who was probably his favorite romantic comedy, he would say is Annie Hall, at the time, would like quote Annie Hall to me and say something about, there's like a line about sharks, like you have to keep swimming. Okay. I don't know, some baby boomer bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically he was telling me I should not uh, try to settle down when I was 14 and I was like, you don't understand me. I'm in love. You don't know what it feels like to really love somebody. Some baby boomer bullshit is an accurate description for every Woody Allen movie. Right. Said a person who has never seen a Woody Allen movie. It's fine. Like, it's fine. There's some... I mean, honestly, I enjoy Annie Hall. I really like Midnight in Paris. But I'm not recommending you watch them because, I mean, just, like, if you don't, then you don't have to feel conflicted about it. Yeah, I've never been particularly inclined to watch a Woody Allen movie. I did at one point um, in my in my young Gilmore Girls life think, oh, I need to be watching Woody Allen movies. And now I just feel really justified in, like, right. not. I feel like it's yeah. fine and it's I'm fine. never going to have to. I it's, don't have to. Yeah. I wasn't really um, into romantic comedies as my, like... This is what love is supposed to be like. Um, I was like, oh no, that's bullshit. The one that I did hop on board for was the Twilight. He is a dark, twisted person, but he loves me, and I am the only one that he can love, and that's what true love is. And guys, that's... ladies. No. No. It's emotionally abusive bullshit. That's a deal breaker, ladies. Get on out of there. Yeah, I was totally, like, in high school, my boyfriend, um, who is gross and the worst, my friends would have referred... Shout out to Kylie's high school boyfriend. So, yeah, so my friends would be like, you guys are like Edward and Bella. Oh. And I thought that was, like, such a compliment because he just, like, was so into her that he wanted to, like, watch her sleep, oh. which happened, by the way. I'm so sad. I fell asleep on my high school boyfriend's chest and woke up to him crying. <laughs> there were tears falling out of his eyes, and he was like, you just look so beautiful when you're sleeping. Oh, no. And I thought that was just the most romantic thing that could ever happen, and it is the worst. It's the worst. Oh, no. It was really bad. Guys, Edward Cullen is not an ideal boyfriend. If your boyfriend is watching you sleep and crying... (laughs) It's a problem for boys to cry when you sleep. It shouldn't happen. I think one thing that's super interesting about rom-cons, and we've touched on it with Much Ado About Nothing, is just how appealing it is as a genre and how universal and how uh, it's just been around forever. We've got Much Ado About Nothing, <clears throat> Taming the Shrew. Emma, Emma which, which is the basis for Clueless. Yes, any Jane Austen stuff, which is a little later than Shakespeare, but still old. 
Older than us, for sure. For sure. Much older than you, who in high school people knew what Twilight was. Um, <laughs> but, and I think, I think that it's interesting how those stories hold up, you know? I think the idea of people falling in love in a fun way that you like the people and can root for them is something that translates to everybody in all ages and all times. Another thing that I really like about romantic comedy in the context of history is um, something that I actually learned about in a women and pop culture class I took. Um, We talked about romance novels in general and then also romantic comedies and how it was the first time that women were the focus of like the intended audience and it kind of brought women into literature more. Um, and then there were more women creators because there were more, they were focusing on women as a potential audience for the first time. So like Jane Austen um, is a great example, the Brontes, mm-hmm. all of that was like, yes, women are an audience too and we're going to focus on that. And now we have some of the best classics that we are still remaking into things like 10 Things I Hate About You and She's the Man. Yeah. She's the Man with Shakespeare. That one doesn't count, so but still. So 10 Things I Hate About You. Was it? Yeah. yeah. It's Timmy of the Shoe. Guys, don't listen to me. Kylie's an expert in her field. You guys, Kylie is like the most pure Ravenclaw I feel like I've ever met. Um, she has no secondary house, you guys. She's, she's all, all legal. Elizabeth, you are also a Ravenclaw, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah. But I do have a secondary house. What is your secondary house? It's Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff? Mm-hmm. I feel like if I did have a secondary house, mine would be Hufflepuff also. Aww. What a great transition to our next segment, sorting hat. <laughs> yes, we could do sorting hat. Do you, you want to sort protagonists or do you want to sort movies themselves i have sortings for both oh my gosh okay let's get into it sure clueless Cheryl horowitz is a gryffindor you know what i agree i had put hufflepuff but i'm fully on board for Cher horowitz as a gryffindor actually Josh, definitely Ravenclaw. Yeah, there's like no that's, questions. That's obviously. not even in doubt at all. Mm-hmm. I also did some of the tertiary characters, depending cool. on the movie. So um, for Clueless, I think Dion is a Slytherin. Yeah. And Murray is a Hufflepuff. That holds up. <laughs> and I also had Ty and Travis both as Gryffindors. Okay. I feel like Ty could be more of a Hufflepuff. Yeah. She's not a very hard worker. She's loyal. Yeah, more not that loyal. She uh, says that she's a virgin who can't drive. So maybe Gryffindor. We'll, Gryffindor, go, with, we'll yeah. go with that. Okay, and then for Clueless, the movie as a whole, I had it as a Hufflepuff. I think it's kind of a Gryffindor. I, I feel like it's it. bold. Like, I feel like, especially putting yourself back in the time, I don't know, the time of 1995, it's, I don't know, I felt like it was a, a brave, it, it feels, feels like a confident, uh, statement it's making. I think I went with Hufflepuff uh, more in the vein of the relationship between Cher 
and Josh, um, since they have known each other for a while, and it's that friendship and... Familial bond. <laughs> I know, I was like, ooh, creepy. Stepsister, stepbrother. Ex-stepbrother. Ex-stepsister, ex-stepbrother bond, not brother-sister bond, like, growing into a closer relationship, that I yes. felt like that loyalty was there. But I can definitely see an argument for Gryffindor it, as well. It has always been there for me, so in that way, it is Hufflepuffy. Okay, for Reality Bites... I had that movie as a Slytherin. Okay. I feel like everyone is pretty much searching for the thing that's going to shoot them. Yeah, they the have, there is some ambition happening. Like, Lainey's like, I have to, whatever. Yeah, she's she's a Slytherin, for sure. She's like, I'm not going to work at the Gap like you, my best friend who is nicely offering me a job. I'm just going to call psychic numbers. And Forever. steal my parents' money via yeah. this gas credit card. Ugh. Everyone oh, in that lady. movie is the worst. Don't be like her. Okay, so that Laney. That so Lainey. Reality Bites Laney, I think, is Ravenclaw or Slytherin. I think it could go either way, because, again, yeah. there's a lot of ambition, but she also, like, was the valedictorian. She's for sure smart, but, like, yeah, I really like to do the Slytherin. But she's not, like, a dark wizard. No. I mean, yeah. No, but not all Slytherins are. Exactly. Troy is a muggle. He doesn't get sorted. Damn. Actually, you know what? Not even just a muggle. Troy is a squib. That makes sense to me, because he's very bitter. <laughs> yeah. I think that makes very perfect sense. Man. Ben Stiller is a Hufflepuff. Oh, yeah. He's a cute little Hufflepuff, and I love him so much. Aw. When Harry met Sally. Ravenclaw. As a movie. I had a Gryffindor. Aw. It's just so clever. But yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, but it could be a Gryffindor. Harry, I had as a Slytherin with Ravenclaw qualities. That's probably true. That's probably true, but he's like a good Slytherin, something not represented in the books, but something that we know exists. So to be clear, everyone, um, when we do our Sorting Hat segment, we are going to sort some people into Slytherin. And some of those people are going to be straight up terrible people. Yes. But there are also good Slytherins. It's true. Carrie Fisher and cute little magazine husband I had as Ravenclaws. Yes. Princess Bride, Gryffindor. Everybody is Gryffindor. Everyone in that movie is a Gryffindor. (laughs) It's a Gryffindor movie. Gryffindor forever. That's that's amazing. Everyone except Humperdinck and Christopher Guest is a Gryffindor. Yeah. Yes. Humperdinck is trash. Yeah, no. Humperdinck is a trash human. Sleeping with other people as a movie, I had Slytherin. Okay. I could do, I don't, I do Ravenclaw, but Slytherin works. Yeah, you know what, Slytherin, Slytherin. It's very ambitious as a film, because I feel like it's it's making a lot of statements. There's a lot of uh, graphic sex scenes, so I feel like, but I feel like that's trying to do what it takes to be talked about, to be the talk of the town. So, Sleeping with Other People, Lainey, I had as a Gryffindor slash Hufflepuff. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to definitely take off the Hufflepuff because I was not thinking about the loyalty bit, and she cheats on everybody. Just with, with one person. <laughs> but she still oh, yeah. she, she yeah, cheats on, like, she's, yeah. she mentions that she's cheated in every previous relationship. Yeah. I feel like you can't be a serial cheater and be a Hufflepuff. Probably not. Jake I had as a Slytherin slash Ravenclaw as well, so kind of a similar to Harry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a very similar character to, to Harry. I mean, it's the same sort of charming thing. 
Much Ado About Nothing I had as a Ravenclaw movie. Yeah, and that's obviously true. Yeah, and Benedict and Beatrice, I think, are also both Ravenclaws. And Hero and Claudio are a Hufflepuff. I had the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, really great minds think alike, <laughs> and we are the greatest minds. Should we put away the sorting hat? Put it back up on that shelf. All right, bye, sorting hat. See you next time. We haven't gotten into some other rom-coms that we think are good or bad ones we hate we love we love to hate i feel like i started making a list of rom-coms that i loved hated and loved to hate and i just like filled up the love portion and had a really hard time finding ones i hated or loved to hate but i i have some i have some prepared go for it okay in the same vein as princess bride and things that like aren't like i didn't think of off the top of my head amelie if that's a rom-com it Maybe it should have been in my top three. Like, have you seen Amelie? I have not. I keep, like, hovering over it on so Netflix. Good. And then I just can't commit to watching the subtitles forever. Ah, so good. Be Ravenclaw, do it. Read. Issue that I have with all foreign language films. So uh, I'm like, mm, do I want to pay attention to the screen while I watch this movie? Or do I want to play Mahjong on my iPad? Millennials. Am I right? Uh, Mahjong. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm a millennial, but I'm also 80 years old. That's fair. Are there just, like, Singing in the Rain, beautiful, wonderful. Have you seen Obvious Child? Yes, Obvious Child is so good, you guys. So good. Obvious Child, for those of you who are not familiar. Yeah, so it is a romantic comedy that has an abortion in it. It has an abortion in it. Which is really brave and wonderful. And I really enjoy the way they handle the story. Yeah, it's lovely. So, one old school one that I haven't seen again, but I used to watch all the time when I was a kid, was Bringing Up Baby with Katherine Hepburn and Cary Grant, and there is a mountain lion, I want to say, or like a leopard. There's a, a big cat hanging out. It's I loved it, like as a kid. And another movie I loved when I was a kid, I have on the love to hate list, is called Who's That Girl? Okay. It was a remake of Bringing Up Baby starring Madonna. And it was not good, but I loved it when I was a little kid. And I'm sure that no one has watched it, but it was a disaster. If you ever get the chance to see it, absolutely do. It is a mess. Maybe it would be better if you smoked pot. I don't know. Some ones that I just straight up think are bad. Love Actually. Love Actually is a terrible movie, you guys. That's not even like a hot take anymore. (laughs) I feel like that's the general popular opinion. is bad. It's not great. Except for Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson and the small child is good. Other than that, it's all just hot garbage. Only good storyline in that entire movie. Karen Knightley was 18 years old when she made that movie. Ew, I did not know that. Very bad. Um, That makes me upset. I know. Here's when you mentioned we were talking about this. 27 Dresses. It's real bad. (laughs) It's definitely also on my love to hate list like I would probably watch it again is the Mm, thing yeah it's so bad but so I don't what's the what's the word for when you just want to watch something awful and it's not even hate hate watch (laughs) it's not hate watch it's like what's like when I just want to eat some donuts and sink into a stupor yeah. Yeah. It's like when you eat an entire tube of cookie dough, mm. and like you know that you shouldn't be doing it because you know in a it's while gonna you're feel so bad. gonna hate yourself. 
Yeah. But in the moment, it's really I good. think the term for that is clinical depression. Sure. That, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, 27 dresses, everybody. Just like clinical depression. <laughs> oh. I have one here, love to hate, but I honestly had it under love, but I felt like I had to move it because I had so many love. Never been kissed. I think maybe never been kissed is bad, but I love it so much. It's real bad, though. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> I saw it in the theater multiple times. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so cute. I just, Drew Barrymore is lovable. She's just lovable, guys. Drew Barrymore is lovable. That movie. Oh, no. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think kind of in the same vein that we probably disagree on reality bites. Uh, I have a, well, I don't have this problem anymore, but when I was in school, I had a problem of constantly falling in love with my teachers. So maybe there's a wish fulfillment element that she, like, gets to sleep with her teacher. (laughs) Maybe. That sure. could be part of the issue that I have with not being able to see that that movie is bad because it seems good to me. Question. Is Legally Blonde a romantic comedy? <sighs> I mean, yeah. Because I feel like it's mostly a movie about Elle Woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's definitely <laughs> romance and it's definitely romantic comedy style. She's going to law school to be with her ex-boyfriend, which is a shenanigan. Yeah. And then there's this other guy who is the TA that she doesn't think about romantically at all. And then at the end of the movie, they get together. Yeah. Love. Love, love, love Legally Blonde. Yeah. It is excellent. It is... I ugh. Like the scene where... Oh, what is her name? Uh, Sarah Paulson's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, the scene where cool badass lady professor is at the hair salon was like if you are going to let one man ruin your life you are not the woman i thought you were or whatever that line is is just like there's so much feminist love in my heart for legally blonde because we have the female enemy in the movie who then becomes her best friend through seeing how terrible all of the men in the movie are yes oh (laughs) yeah It's a romantic comedy that includes a heavy dose of misandry, and I can appreciate that. I can also very much appreciate that. I also like, one thing I like about Legally Blonde, and I think could count as like a sub-genre of romantic comedy, and certainly one that I really enjoy, is like a coming-of-age story Mm -hmm. that doubles as a romantic comedy. Like, I, I really like movies like that. Like, I feel like Can't Hardly Wait is like that. Some other ones. Like Bridget Jones' Diary, even. You know, like, she's finding herself. Yeah. Also, dating Colin Firth. I think that that is a good, good, pleasant thing to watch for me. And it also adds depth to the characters. I don't like, I don't really like romantic comedies where the romance is the most important thing that's happening and the characters are really thinly sketched, with the exception of 13 going on 30. Oh my god, 13 Mm. going on 30 is wonderful. (laughs) I'm going to watch that. I watched 16 Candles on my 16th birthday, and I'm for sure going to watch 13 Going on 30 on my 30th birthday, which is coming up pretty soon. 13 Going on 30 is one of those, along with Clueless and Chronicles of Riddick, for some reason, that I can't define. I am not. All movies that I will watch if they're on TV, no matter what part of the movie it is at, no matter how recently I saw it. I've definitely got a few of those, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, 13 Going on 30 for sure. That thing you do for me 
can't say no to that thing you do. Also, Steve Zahn. Picture. <laughs> <laughs> I love Steve Zahn, guys. And that's a fact. I looked at a map that Mental Floss made this week of the most popular, according to internet searches, romantic comedy in every state. Okay. Missouri's. I feel like you won't guess it. Do you want to try to? No. Okay. It's pretty in pink. Interesting. And that was the most common one. Like half of states had pretty in pink. I feel like that makes sense. John Hughes is... I haven't liked pretty in pink that much. I love John Hughes stuff. But I just don't... Like I don't connect with that. I think I prefer pretty in pink to 16 candles. I don't know. Apparently that's a popular opinion because based on that map, but... Jake Ryan though in 16 candles is such a hunk. (laughs) But in Illinois... It was The Breakup, which I barely know what that is, but Illinois loves it. I feel like it's also barely a romantic comedy because, spoiler alert for The Breakup, (laughs) if you are really thinking that you're going to see it anytime soon and haven't yet, it ends in them just getting divorced and moving on with their lives. Yeah. So it was like very, I enjoyed it as a subversive romantic comedy-ish type of movie, but I... I don't know. Illinois. I feel like if the people don't end up together at the end of the movie, it's not really a romantic comedy. I agree. Then someone, some a, a few that I thought were delightfully stereotypical. Um, New York, You've Got Mail. California, 500 Days of Summer. Sure. And Alabama. No. Sweet home Alabama. No. <laughs> Alabama. You love yourself. Oh my God. Sweet Home Alabama, another romantic comedy that is a bad movie that I really enjoy. Yeah. You love Reese Witherspoon. I guess I do. I'd never thought about it previously, but yeah. She's a good romantic comedy lead, I feel. She is. Yeah, I I really like Meg Ryan a lot. I really enjoy her. But she's not a current romantic comedy lead. I'm going to submit for worst romantic comedy of all time. Knocked up. Oh no. Oh, I like it. I do not. I get it. I get why. I get it. I get it. But I just I just think it's well written and well acted and I like it. I know it's shitty, but I can agree with well written and well acted. I also just hate the story. Do you like 40-year-old virgin? Not really. Okay. I mean, I see a trend <laughs> here. Like, yeah. I'm not into baby men. Baby men who I have to babysit and bring into adulthood is not something I'm looking for. And I don't enjoy it. It's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I can't really defend those films, but I do I do like them. People are complicated, guys. <laughs> There's a lot of things we like that we don't like, okay? Okay, good. Oh, Woman of the Week! Guys, our Woman of the Week this week, and this is going to maybe seem out of date by the time this is released, but hopefully not. Never. Is Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, you guys. And in case you are wondering at this point, oh, which of the 83 wonderful things that Elizabeth Warren has done in the past month could they possibly be referring to? We are talking about... Elizabeth Warren standing up in the middle of Jeff Sessions' confirmation hearing to read Coretta Scott King's letter. About Jeff Sessions being a demon person. That's not what the letter says. That's my own spin. A racist demon person. Yeah, that's more accurate. 
Guys, Jeff Sessions is a horrible, horrible demon person. I can't, I think demon person is the most accurate descriptor. Yeah. And I'm not going to come up with a new one. Yeah, that's fair. Jeff Sessions, do not come on the show. We hate you. We hate you so much. Stay far away from us. And also, uh, Roy Blunt, you can uh, go right to hell. Roy Blunt, I am done calling your office pretending that there was ever a chance I would vote for you in the next election. I'm a constituent and, like, I'm so sick of it. So, another cool thing about this Elizabeth Warren thing that happened. (laughs) Mitch McConnell released a statement in which he said she was warned... She was something about explaining. Yeah. I'm going to look up the quote because it's just such a good quote that I want to include it. Look it up, Kylie. Look it up. Midge McConnell. Who is an evil turtle. A Koopa, if you will. Okay, that's, yeah, Koopa Mitch McConnell is now how I'm. <laughs> Koopa majority leader, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> yeah, so Mitch McConnell comes down hard against Elizabeth Warren and thinks a good thing to say is she was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. Which prompted many, many women and friends of women across the universe to start a hashtag, nevertheless she persisted, and share stories throughout history of women who have fought for their rights and for the rights of others. And I feel like even every... Woman, I know certainly I felt like that's a good description of being a woman because we all face a lot of adversity that men don't always even know about that they're protected from with their privileged positions. And even, you know, good, nice feminist men, like they don't even always realize how much bullshit we have to put up with. But, you know, nevertheless, we persist, guys. And Elizabeth and I also texted each other. I feel like this is the perfect protest sign. Mm-hmm. So yeah. many protests and all of my future signs will read. Nevertheless, she persisted. Yeah. Because we are going to persist. That is what I carried at the Planned Parenthood march. And I was not alone. There was, that was a popular sentiment. And it is, thank you. So thank you, Mitch McConnell, for those beautiful oh. words about revolution. I appreciate that. I guess that has been... Girl explaining, do you feel smart? Do you feel like we did a good job? I feel like we did the best job. Yeah. It's probably the best podcast pilot. I I feel like we were authoritative and confident, and um, we probably changed some lives today. Good job, us. All right, high five. I feel like that was a really good high five. That was an excellent <laughs> high five. Okay, again, I'm Kylie. I'm Elizabeth. And you're welcome. We'll see you guys next week. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Girlsplaining with no vowels, G-R-L-S-P-L-N-N-G. You can also reach us by email at girlsplainingwithnovowels at gmail.com. Vowels are letters that are A-E-I-O-N-U, so don't use those, but use all of the other letters. And if you want to find us on the World Wide Web, our website is girlsplainingshow.com with all the appropriate vowels. And our music is Girl by the Leonas. Thank you to the Leonas. You can find their website at leonasmusic.com. And Girl is from their album Forbidden Fruit. That has all of the vowels too. So, Wesley, uh, tell me what happens when people fall in love. I don't know. You know when people get married? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that?
I don't know. Do you want to get married? Uh-uh. What do you think about when people have boyfriends and girlfriends? Do you think it seems nice? Yeah. Do you want to be in love with someone? No!